Welcome to Until It's Gone, a podcast where the conversation ends when the coffee runs out. This podcast is hosted by Cole Hammontree and Nate Morris, two dudes from Grand Rapids, Michigan, who love coffee and love Jesus. We hope and pray that this podcast will encourage you in your walk with the Lord. And thank you for listening and supporting the podcast. Now, join us over a cup of coffee as we chat until it's gone. It's kind of interesting because when you compare mixes, like, it's still not like the other ones are bad. It's just interesting how, like, I think it's yeah. just maybe more like, oh, this has the thing that, like, the top it's more tracks have. Yeah. yeah. Like, that energy like, and feeling. It's a little bit more like rooms, room mics and stuff, so it sounds a little yeah. bit more like a house fires right. thing. But I think that's actually fitting their I think it's brand just, a little bit better, actually. Yeah, I think I was kind of having this thought the other day of like, what am I, what am I growing in, in all aspects of life, like spirituality, uh, but also like career and gifts and talents, and just kind of hit me of like feel, like just just in general, and to like, I don't know just to unpack that of like I don't want to like almost like finesse but not in a way that's like look at me I'm so good but just in like a I know what I'm doing at least on some foundational level and now I'm very much shaping and just all the nuances that go into whatever it is it's like yeah, this is a fruity, fruity guy. Waffle me. Do you know what I think that is? Hmm. I think you were imitating a lot. Hmm. And I think now you're starting to articulate your own yeah. sound and your own vision. Yeah. You're starting to create. That and I don't know, like it's the best way that I can describe it is just like feel. And I like the thing that comes back to me as an image representation of this is like shooting a basketball where it's like the, just the perfect amount of feel to drain a shot. But every time and like just getting the feel of the ball and the release and how it rolls off your fingers and getting that so dialed like every single time and being consistent with that. That's a huge part of my heart is consistency. But I also agree with you that it's cool to start to think for myself, for lack of a better term. Well, because feel is subjective. Yes. And different genres have different feel. Like you'll be laying back in certain areas or pushing it in other areas. So when you're articulating the same guitar line, like, and I feel like this was where it was like, and um, it's interesting because like, as a producer and and like playing different instruments, like I have to change my feel yeah. based on like the style or song. Right. So it's a really like interesting thing because what is my actual, like I can do all of them, but then like my, where, like where's my voice? Yeah. What's my feel like? Mm-hmm. What, what do I like? You know, that's kind of like 
something that's come to my brain, but I've seen you develop in that way where like you used to be able to like play lines, but it was like, no, the feel, the feel isn't right. there. It's like right. you're playing the right notes, man, but you got to like yeah. play that dotted eighth thing like that ghost note chug has yeah. to hit it like this. And right. that's where that like kind of pop comes from. And it's line. like, it's almost like essentially describing like the pocket of like a groove and feeling that and and sitting in that and being able to do it well and for like the whole duration of a song and not just like certain parts of it. It becomes a norm when you're not in it. Right. Versus, oh, that was good and then right. out again. Even like, even the pocket like with a click track. Because I, I think about like a Sunday morning when I'm playing at Berkeley and it's, I think it's good to have a click track and it's, it trains other musicians and especially like volunteers who are like new to the worship team and stuff like that. But to let the click kind of like drive and you're just hanging back off of it feels really good. Most times laying back off the beat, if you're not a drummer, is really good. Yeah. And it, it just feels great. And like playing with Dan, Dan will, Dan will rush sometimes, especially on a bridge or something. It's kind of to be expected, but he can he can get that and have it be consistent through the whole song. And then because everyone else is listening to him because he's a drummer, so or at least they should be. <laughs> That's awesome. But and yeah, like I said, like transcending that from even just music to like interactions and like conversations with people and relationships and camera stuff and creativity and shooting videos and photos and nuanced conversations and relationships and like spiritual things which like it's not necessarily about all of that but that's where i feel like i'm kind of growing in now and digging deeper into like the nuanced feel of of things like day to day and i think part of it just comes from my personality as such like a detailed oriented person where i like kind of thrive off of the details when they're all working together and like complementing each other but yeah. there's always more details to pay attention to the further you go down the rabbit hole right i think that maybe that's what i'm getting at there's always there's always more and it's cool to discover new ones that you need I don't know. You need to have some other ones figured out first to uncover those or to yeah. be able to tackle those. It was interesting. I um I played guitar for the MBL Unity Gathering the other day and the other guitarist, Jesse, um, who I doubt's listening, but shout out if you are. Uh, he was really cool. Um he was a younger guy. I don't know how old he is, but um he was like a really good player. But he was like, dude, I'm just so excited to learn from you. So I'm like, dude, what do you mean? Like, I'm trying to figure, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, like that's how I feel about life. But um, Especially playing lead guitar. Yeah, I'm like, I got to relearn guitar right now. <laughs> so how about you stop trying to learn from me and just you do your thing, brother. <laughs> but no, it was, it was funny. I am, you know, and like I get, I told you, like I get worked up about it. And as soon as you start playing, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, it, goes, it goes all yeah, the way. Yeah, I'm like, because I've done it a lot. But anyways. The point being, he was asking me about like my philosophies with like tone and like immediately jumped to like, dude, are you an amp guy or an amp sim guy? I'm like, why would you ask me that? He's like, okay. <laughs> like, um, so I started like diving into these things, but it reminded me of like when you started at picking my brain about some of that stuff and like my thoughts, like, I guess I have opinions without realizing I have opinions. It's, I would sum that up in the, uh, 
stay within your sandbox until you outgrow it analogy yeah Yeah, exactly right and so he had a really sick board um a bunch of strymon pedals and all this stuff and they're like dude what are you is that a A computer dd500 and can do the midi sync with like i'm like no it's a dd20 like i can tap tempo to it and i can save four presets (laughs) yeah and i don't i use the manual setting always always and then i just tap tempo so um i'm like yeah like an analog here's my here's my gain stage here the pedals that i always have on and then this is my distortion (laughs) click that on when i need it um nose tap tempo (laughs) yep and then i have like a little bit of amp verb on and i just adjusted the amp settings but basically and the rv6 the yeah the only difference between my guitar going right into the amp and like what i'm doing is a little bit of wet effects and then a little bit more gain and then shaping the tone as a, as a breakup. Right. And most of the sound comes from the guitar's pickups and the fingers and how hard I play. Yep. And that's like, and you know that because this is like stuff we've talked about That's what I've learned. Yeah. But it was interesting because it just brought me back to that. Like, I remember that chapel where you like went up and like we're checking on my board. Like, what are you, what are you doing? I'm thinking of getting pedals. And I was like, don't. <laughs> like, I don't know what I said, but like, I'm always Basically like, that. Basically. Yeah. You were like, I have a reverb and... I think, or a delay or something. Yeah, I started acquiring pedals, and because then, because then it's, it's. I think it's very easy to get into the whole gear equals playability, and gear makes you better. Yeah, but what you said was like all pedals should do is accentuate the player, Mm -hmm. him or herself. What's like a tool, right? Like any good tool, it's not supposed to be the thing. It's supposed to be used by the artist. So. Yeah, just like a camera. Yeah. So like he goes. You can you can buy a twenty thousand dollar camera, but if you don't know how to light or set up a, a scene, like you're just taking really high quality, really high resolution high images. Quality. Yeah, <laughs> high resolution images of bad composition. Right. So yeah, I kind of like gave him that spiel, but I haven't given it in a while, so I had to kind of reformulate my opinions on it. Let me find my elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh man, where to start on this?" But he's like, "You seem like you could, you like would plug into the amp and like it would hardly change how you play. Like if it you didn't have your board." I was like, "Yeah, that's probably that true." But it's a Kemper guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then he was asking. I mean, he was asking me about amp sims. I was like, "I'm not against amp sims. I just don't have a need for them." Right. I said, "If I was going on tour, I would use it because it's smaller and yeah. lighter." <laughs> yep. But I would probably have one set preset that I would have on the whole time. Like, yeah, I it's, don't know. Uh, it, well, we'll get to this later. But uh, Snarky was watching some videos of their new album. That what out. is that? A guitar tuner? <laughs> <laughs> the snark, the snark guitar tuner. <laughs> um, I was watching some videos from them, and they they had they had three electric players all running through Kempers and then they had a couple like keyboardists that were also running through Kempers like there was like five Kempers around the room and I'm like what is if I was to buy another amp it would be a Kemper for sure because well, I have a Kemper have... equals hundreds of amps yeah and the way that I'm rolling in terms of gear today that would just make sense yep but I don't need another amp right now but if I was going to get another one, I would get a Kemper for sure. Because especially for producing, it's like yeah. I could do anything. Well, and they aren't too bad. 
Which not, is like two grand or something. Yeah, they're not astronomical. But so welcome back to Gear Talks with Cole and Nate. <laughs> if you <laughs> made it this far, we just this is what we try not to do because we know a lot of you guys don't play guitar. And we could do this for hours. <laughs> shout out to the people who do and found that actually semi interesting. Yeah. Thank you for listening if you don't know what a Kemper is. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I could educate. I, the difference between a real amp is it's it's going through tubes. They're solid state as well, but basically you're heating up vacuum tubes and then um, it's like analog. It's kind of like a, a, a real media versus like digital. Um, and it's, a Kemper... It's, yeah, it's film versus... Digital, yeah. So like almost. a CD or a vinyl versus like an MP3 on your yep. that's streaming, right? So uh, there's hot takes on all of that too, so you can understand how there's a lot of hot takes about tube amps versus Kempers, but they've gotten really good as a lot of digital technology has in terms of making them sound really good. Um, my thing with all of this is that when you have all of the options to change everything, you can make it sound bad. Yep, because you're not an engineer and like the people that make like i guess like the settings on a tube amp you can only do so much with them but like basically always will like sound decent yeah on a kemper you can like get into settings that you were never meant to touch mess it up um but you can also dial those settings in if you do know what you're looking for so if you know what you're doing you can have more you can push a kemper way farther than you can a normal tube amp if you know what you're doing and you know what settings are doing what and tweaking things. But will it sound better? <laughs> That's subjective. Subjective. Depends on what you're looking for. Yep. I like the idea of plugging into an amp and having it work and yep. sound good. For sure. Well, um, it's also like a classic tone too. Like yeah. It's almost like you can't go wrong. Well, 99% of the times that I'm playing guitar, I don't change my amp settings, mm-hmm. by the way. Everything's at noon. It's like... Yeah, usually <laughs> it's like my treble and my mid are actually like a lit like at one o'clock maybe. Boost and my bass is like noon. Yeah. <laughs> that's yep. it. And that's on my amp, of course. Yeah. Um so and that's for just a starting point. If I need more, I'll do that. But yeah. most times I'm not changing that. I'm changing my tone knobs and my pickups and how I'm playing and then my the biggest thing. Anyways. That's not what we meant to talk about. <laughs> we just started talking. We well, yep. Uh, forgive me if I sound like Squidward today. I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting over a, a head cold. He woke up in a in a sea, like in a house in the middle of the sea. I woke up being a grumpy, house. being a grumpy neighbor to Patrick and SpongeBob. What's the name of Squidward's? I was trying to think of it. It's like a tiki head or something. Yeah, it's uh, it's like Stonehenge. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't remember what <laughs> one of those. All of a sudden, you were flipping burgers at the Krusty Krab, and <laughs> I was taking people's orders. <laughs> SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we're back. Happy we, to be here. We have a uh, we have quick water coffee today. How do you how do you do you like this? I love it. Very good. It's great. It's not acidic. It's air roasted. I'm I'm a v- big fan of light roasts, but not acidic yeah. light roasts. Mm-hmm. And I think honestly, what turned me off the light roasts for a long time was I just had bad light roasts yeah. or like ones that weren't brewed right or something. Yeah, where they were acidic because I feel like acidity can come from like the brew brewing process. Whereas, all, yes, yeah. Whereas like if it's brewed right and like you have good fresh beans, then like 
you're not all the way down and it's not that acidic it's well actually, comparatively maybe, yeah but. it's actually kind of like what we were talking about like a light roast is almost like a kemper like it's hard to screw up a dark roast because it's it. always a dark roast. Because it's there's not a crazy flavor curve and profile to a dark roast because you bake it out of the beans. Mm-hmm. Versus a light roast has a lot more nuance. And in order to get that nuance, you have to brew it or, um, roast it right, grind it well, and brew it right. Dark roast is baked beans. beans. Throw, throw a little bacon in there. Got baked beans with bacon. Baked beans with Bacon. We should just start only speaking with words that start with B, but okay. No, we're happy to be here. Um, yeah, I think I think we're just chugging along. The coffee's great. I'm Thank tired you. this morning. I'm Thank waking you. up. <laughs> I'm not tired. Yeah, that's a first. I've been shifting my schedule the last few days. I woke up at like 5 and 6 a.m. Look at you. Which... I'm not like proud of. I was just like awake and I was like, oh, yeah, like I'm awake. What am I going to do? Yep. Um, but obviously daylight savings was yesterday. So that feels like it so helps, helps me a little bit, you know, <laughs> but yeah, now it gets dark at 4 PM. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> dumb. It gets light. Like I actually had somewhat of a sunrise on my way here this morning, but now I don't need the sunrise at seven though. Exactly. <laughs> like who cares yeah. in the morning? Yep. Anyways. Yep. We should get rid of daylight savings, but that's another topic. Well, I was talking to someone about that yesterday, and I was like, I thought we weren't doing this, but... I don't know if it passed. I didn't, not for this, and I think it's up for potentially not happening in the spring. Like, we wouldn't spring forward, but it still has to go through all legislation. Do you know what would be nice? If our legislators passed things that helped us. (laughs) But I don't want to go down that road. There's a lot of things that... (laughs) We could talk about. <laughs> hey, show up to work and do your job. <laughs> and care about people. <laughs> yeah. That actually affects my life. 99% of the stuff you want to talk about doesn't. Yeah. Anyways. Um, anyways. Yeah. This Again, this is totally not what we were intending to talk about, but not at all. All in good UIG fashion. I got to take my switcher off. Um, yeah. We kind of wanted to dive into a little bit of what's been on our minds and hearts over the last, I would say, like season. Um, you know, we, I think all of this like makes sense if you've listened to us faithfully and you can kind of see the through lines about like what we're kind of working through right now. But specifically today, we wanted to kind of bring up the idea of, um, let's see, maybe before I, before I say that, I want to maybe like set up, set the stage a little bit. Um, this is a nuanced conversation that we're still sorting out. Again, I always want to start this with humility because I think that we can quickly like look like scoffers or people that are just like, you know, like cynical or like looking at other people and putting them down. Our heart is not at all to like put people down in this. Our heart is for the truth and for um, yeah, surgically cutting off the things in your theologies and our theologies that might be preventing us from deepening in our faith. Yeah. Trimming, trimming the branches. Yeah. Yeah. Like shaving that little piece of fat off so that we have a, a a nice clean, you know, right. Theology. So, um, I want to preface this conversation with that because there are a lot of differing opinions regarding a lot of this. Um, and 
we're still form- forming our opinions, I would Absolutely. say, as well. Well, and so I was going to say is we're just learning. Like, we're, I just turned 23. Are you 24? Yes, sir. And we're 20 somethings and we don't have life figured out. These are just the things that we've learned and seen. They're more observations and thoughts on observations. They're observations that we've, um, that we've compared and contrasted with God's truth and what we have gathered from God's word and what he's done in our lives through other relationships and other people, but in our own lives as well. Now, with that being said, some of these things are actually just true and are just not thought of frequently. Yeah. And and maybe we'll try and make those distinguish distinguishes along the way. Sure. Um, like that's my opinion, or like I actually believe that this is a truth. Yeah. Um, that the Bible preaches, you know. Yeah. And within a lot of these doctrines too, we've talked about tier one doctrines. These are doctrines essential for faith. Mm-hmm. Um, tier two are like once you have salvation, moving forward at all in your faith and yeah. progressing. And then tier three becoming less important and so on. Right. Um the only thing that gets dicey with tier two issues is a lot of times they affect your tier one views on God. Mm-hmm. Um, the way you view your salvation, the way you view the spirit's involvement in your life, the way you, it, you view your progression as a Christian. And those, are, those become very, very important questions very quickly. Once you're beyond the initial acceptance of what Jesus has done for you. Right. The path of uh, sanctification. Now, if you haven't accepted Jesus, this conversation might be impactful because this might actually be something that has prevented you from actually feeling Jesus, Jesus working in your life. Yep. This is, this is something that I think trips up a lot of people in terms of their faith, in terms of even their belief in God. Um, we've, again, we've alluded to this. Sometimes we talk about some of these themes, um, you know, at different times, but, I just think that these clarifications are important as we head into this conversation. Just again, we have a posture of humility, but we have also seen some things that, that I would say are probably harmful and especially towards immature Christians who are newly converted, who are seeking to grow deeper. Yeah. Um, and some of this has been stuff that you've experienced firsthand, things that I've seen secondhand, you know, and then maybe like we dialogue about dialogue about. So, um, yeah, we don't have everyone's experience. We're not saying that, you know, that we know everything about your experience or nope. how God's worked in your life or is working in your life. Um, but we'll do our best to be accurate here and, and to parse our words carefully. Yeah. Yep. So where do you want to start? Well, I was just I was just going to say I think jumping back to where I was going was the idea of um being set free. Mhm from sin's grip on your life mm-hmm. um, and what that looks like set free from sin or rescued from suffering. Mm-hmm. I think they're closely related in terms of how this might affect your faith. Yeah. But this idea of, and you hear this like a lot, if you are around like evangelistic movements, like come get set free or like you just need to get set free from that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, it's like it's become a bit of a buzzword or a buzz phrase in I would say like evangelical culture. Yeah. So if you go to a Christian school, chances are you've heard someone say like, dude, I just need to like get set free from this or right. break, break my chains. And 
um, again, I believe God does this. Absolutely. I don't think that he often does this in the way that people think that he does this. Right. Or, or um, want him to do this. Yeah. I think, I think I've said this before on the podcast, maybe a few times, but in, in, in that realm, I think a lot of people look at events um, or in experiences or encounters with God through worship, um, which is good. And I have gotten a lot out of those experiences. And I, I think they are good. Um, but like you were saying, I feel like people come to that and are expecting instant healing or something to be instantly taken away uh and that's what we would want right like we don't want to struggle with these things and especially if you know you call yourself a christian and you're following jesus and you're stuck in a sin cycle or an addiction to something like and you're convicted about it you want that to be taken away um and I think we would want God to rescue us in the moment and free us uh, and never look back. And I know people that have had, I know many people that have had like experiences like that. Um, but it's definitely not everyone. And I, I almost don't know if it, it would, if I could necessarily say that it's the majority of people. Um, because I think that what God wants to do is something a lot deeper in our hearts than just an instant uh, rescuing or an instant instantly pulling us out of what we were trapped in. I think I don't think God enjoys seeing us suffer. Don't don't hear me like that. But um, I think that He wants to grow us and teach us. And when I started talking, I said, I think I've said this before in the podcast, and what I was going to say is, God isn't like a rich dad that just, you ask him for something and he makes all your problems go away. Like, another analogy that I've heard in youth group is like the vending machine analogy, where it's like right. we only go to God with the things that we want, and then we punch in the digits, i.e. pray about something specific and ask it to be delivered to us or taken away. But... I think God's heart is uh, is our hearts and sharpening and learning and growing us. Um, and that comes through him walking us through our struggles and our sufferings and our sin cycles and breaking that. Yeah, I think a good place to start when we look at like maybe how to approach this topic is like the salvation experience. Um, because I think a lot of this can a lot of this can be like chalked up to, and <clears throat> I don't want to say an inauthentic salvation experience. I, I think I would say like one that you were expecting something differently than what you were like really getting yourself into. And yeah. uh, with all that being said, like when you say that I accept Jesus, like nobody knows what that means when you're getting into it. None of us do. We're still all discovering that. Yep. Um, but a salvation experience like what like the idea of salvation is de- a death to self it's an acceptance of what jesus has done and it's saying i'm going to die to self and allow jesus to cover um 
cover my sins, you know, mm-hmm. with what he's done, being fully God, fully man, the only one capable of, that of paying my debt. Atonement. Yeah. Substitutionary atonement. There's a lot of differing views on this. We're not going to talk about that, but <laughs> the idea basically being that you would die to self. And I think a lot of times when you have that regenerative experience of death to self, um, a lot of like your desires should immediately shift. Mm. Okay. So your desire should be to please God. Yep. That is when your, your heart of hearts changes. That is when your mm. soul longs to please God because, because of what he's done, your, your thankfulness, you do that out of a worship, not out of a song, out of a worship of life. Yeah. And I do things all the time that I do not enjoy. Paul. Right. And like we can jump into Romans seven, but I think like even saying that more simple is like, I want to be a better husband to Amanda a lot of times, but I constantly find myself doing the same things that she's asked me not to do because I'm, I'm sinful. Right. But I don't, that doesn't mean that I don't love her. That doesn't mean I don't want to be a better husband. Right. Would I be a, a good husband if I did not care about the things that I was doing? I wouldn't, I would be a bad husband. It's the same thing as a Christian who's non-repentant. Right. So the idea is when you're dying to self, it's more of, it's more of a now, instead of trying to please myself, I'm trying to please God. And then from there, you're still bad at executing. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so the idea of sanctification is that your execution of, of being holy, of joining in Jesus's mission of practicing the way <laughs> of apprenticing under his teaching following his example he and and c.s lewis explains i'm reading mere christianity right now he explains it as like um when you're learning to write like a child learning to write your mother has to grab your hand and form the letters for you Mm. so it's not you forming the letters it's really your mother showing you how to form the letters letters right yeah um jesus did that with his life if Jesus didn't live a perfect life and follow God like that in a way that we could understand in a way that we could grasp mm-hmm. because he was fully man, then there would be no precedent for us to actually live a life pleasing to yeah, God. We, we couldn't do it. Um, fully pleasing to God. Right. Right. Which is the standard. Yeah. Um, again, getting a little bit deep <laughs> on that, but I'm trying to explain it in a way that like, yeah. I think that sets the stage for the idea of when you are saved, what are you being set free from? Yeah. Yep. Are you being set free from your incapacity to fail? Right. No, you're not. You are being set free from the desires of your heart being chained to your selfish desires. Right. Your, your desires shift. And along with that, a lot of problems are solved right then and there. Right. Things that you might not even think about are just solved. You know, that movie that you were watching or that series, all of a sudden you go, do I actually, is this actually something I actually want to watch? You know? Yep. And that never would have come up in your brain before. It's kind of so like on. things of the world grow strangely dim. Like that's so true. And I've, I've definitely experienced that. Even that specific example where it's like, I don't, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to listen to you. I actually went on a run the other day and I, I was feeling it and I don't, I, I mean, I don't run to like, I kind of varies what I run to and listen to, uh, and sometimes I'll listen to a podcast, other times I'll listen to music, but I was like really feeling it and I wanted it, I wanted the run to be more of a workout. So I found one of my old, like really old, like workout playlists and it was like Eminem and like this 
a lot of like some really hardcore like dubstepy trap like deep house and i i put on like one song and i'm like i feel like icky like i feel gross yeah and i was like okay i'm not i'm not gonna listen to this but that's That's so true yeah and that's so cool because you've progressed and you've grown so much right And, and and that comes with time yeah and that comes from from time that doesn't come from one moment right when you're when you're genuinely making small steps towards yeah. Jesus. I think I said this last week on the po- uh the last podcast. Um but this comes from a John Mark sermon where he's saying like often um your deepest desires God's heart following what he says being Jesus to people and living like Jesus your deepest innermost desires are often not your strongest desires but they can become your strongest desires through how you think. And Training. I'm, yes. And I'm actually, I just started reading this book. It's called Winning the War in Your Mind. It's called, there's no cover on that book. Well, I took the, I hate the, I hate sleeves. the they sleeves. Always... <laughs> it's the worst. Uh, He's reading a, no, a, non, a non-branded book. <laughs> uh, Jesus came and gave this book to me. It's just all it's white. It's just holy. <laughs> yeah. We need video for that. Yeah, we do. Come on, guys. Coming soon. What are we doing? Um, but it's by Craig Rochelle, Winning the War in Your Mind. And actually, chapter two is about Paul. Um, uh, so I'll, I'll just read a, a few little blurbs. But <clears throat> Incredible as it is to consider, Paul wrote some of his teachings while in prison. And yes, his door was actually locked. You kind of have to read the book to know more about that. Um that's an analogy that he makes, but um, yet even though his body was behind bars, Paul's mind was still free. How? He had taken his thoughts captive long before he entered a jail cell. Mm-hmm. He knew two truths that we also need to know. The first one is the battle for your life is won or lost in your mind. And two, your thoughts will control you, so you have to control your thoughts. Um, and it kind of goes on it. it has a quote in here from Romans 7 um, talking about Paul uh, doing what he does not want to do and not doing uh, the things that he wants to do, his deepest desires. Right. And then Craig goes on to say, that does not sound like a guy who has mastered his thoughts because, you know, Paul says, I've learned to take all my thoughts captive later. Um, And then Philippians 4.12, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Um, Paul's change encourages me. This is what Craig is writing. Because my thought life can be crazy. My mind can run out of, out of control. I despair. I obsess. I can be confused. Sometimes I feel overwhelmed. It's like I'm in a confrontation with myself and I'm losing. Um, you try to not worry, but you do. You tell yourself to be positive, but you aren't. Like Paul said, what I, what I want to do, I do not do. The daily battle is so frustrating, but Paul mastered his mind. He said he had learned a secret, so that means we can too. Um, and it's basically like those, the last so line good. of that is like, um, oh, he, this is really good too. How, how did he win the battle for his mind? How can we? Paul also wrote, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Second Corinthians ten three through five. Notice that Paul used we in his statements. Those in a relationship with Christ can experience this change, and he kind of breaks it down, and it's it's really interesting. He kind of goes into like the definition of a stronghold and like what that means. Um, there's a quote later here. My strongest thoughts were centered on my weaknesses and I knew they were leading me to a place I did not want to go. Um, because the, in the first chapter, it's, it's essentially saying like, we become what we think. And if we're thinking, you know, these negative things, we're going to continue to become and shape ourselves more into that instead of setting our minds on Christ and becoming more Christ-like. That's so good. So, first book I'm reading that's not a John Mark book. <laughs> the first book ever, Cole's ever. read that's not John Mark. Um, that brings my mind to this idea too, and this is kind of the the context for our conversation, but, you know, of worship events or gatherings that um, drive people's faith. Um. So, so the implications of this, right? Like, I guess the concern is that you would start to base your spiritual experiences and relationship with God on emotional highs during the bridge of like oceans, you know, yeah. <laughs> a camp high <laughs> and, and like, I'm off. I mean, I will say this Cole and I have experienced worship gatherings and worship music intimately. We're not speaking as people who are just bitter about worship. We love worship. We get wrecked. We love worship and when we get wrecked. We, we have encounters with the Holy spirit and, and in truth comes to our, our minds through the Holy spirit and, and God speaks to each of us differently. Yeah. Even between Nate and I like very differently. And that's just a beautiful thing. But and, and continue. there is room for the Holy spirit to fill you and, and do its work. Yes. Um, however, uh, I think culture and some of the danger of some of this, as there's danger in all things, um, the danger in some of this is worshiping the worship gatherings themselves. Yeah. Um, instead of worshiping the one who we are singing about, not just about the songs and the hype and, um, worship, I would say is an effective tool because it actually is a, is a medium to implant truth into your mind right. and to actually help you control your thoughts, right? Like yes. when you listen to music and a song gets stuck in your head, then the content matters really bad. That's not good for you. But when you're listening to worship music or music with positive messaging, not only positive, I would say like truth. Yes. Then you are singing truth to yourself when right. the tune gets stuck in your head and there's power in that. It's almost like your analogy earlier of like, um, you know, a mother or someone holding your hand as you learn to write letters. It's almost like that where it's like you can sometimes not even that's that's different than singing something and just not giving thought to it and understanding, but you can uh, in essence be carried along and have your thoughts shaped by a song by just singing it. Right. And and we tend to look at the results of God's presence and desire the results of his presence instead yeah. of his presence mm -hmm. yeah there's a uh kyle actually 
Um, I've heard I've heard him say this, and he may have got it from somewhere else, but um, it's uh, are you worshiping uh, the gifts or are you worshiping the gift giver? Right, right, and and I think like the reason that, and this is the conversation we've had in private, and and are kind of trying to bring to life now. The implications of this are like, what do you do when things don't go away? You know, because I think like we've talked about like, okay, so it's not just God taking things away. So then what? Like, what do you do with your faith when you've prayed to God? You went to the worship gathering, you got wrecked, you were crying because you were repentant and broken over your sin. You felt the Holy Spirit working in your life. You felt your friends and community around you. Um, That ocean bridge really just wrecked you. Tears. Yeah. Um, Gift of you tears. were slain in the spirit, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, and then the next day, you still feel the brokenness of your sin. You still feel the depravity of your addiction. You still aren't set free and you thought you were. Mm-hmm. You thought your knee was healed and it's not. You thought that God was going to take your anxiety away, but he didn't. You thought that your pornography addiction was just going to disappear, but the next day you still messed up. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? I think I think that's the implication of a lot of this. It's like, I'm all for life change. I am all for it. That's what being a Christian is about. It's a death to self and it's a, and it's a, it's a submission to Christ and, and what he's doing in your life, but it's not a one and done kind of thing. It's not a, it's not a life change moment. You got set free and now you're never going to do it again. Um, sometimes it is and praise God if it is. Yep. But you should not be chasing that. Mm-hmm. You should be chasing the one who walks with you while you struggle you should be you should be chasing the presence of god in terms of what he's actually doing in your life because what what good would it be if our um if our mother who is and this is c.s lewis's analogy again but you know the writing um the writing analogy holding your hand while you're writing but she never took her hand away she never let you write on your own right she never she never took a step back and said okay i've taught you now like show me what i've taught you right um another another analogy from c.s lewis in your christianity is the idea of like holding you know like genuinely just like teaching a child to walk yeah um what's what service are you doing mm. and and this is actually like this goes further into the conversation of free will to begin with why did god even give us the ability to sin yeah because what good is it for god to just do everything for us and to, and, and us not to choose him. What kind of love is that? Right. You don't want to, you don't want a spouse who doesn't choose you, but doesn't have another choice. And that's just like, how do you know that they actually love you and would choose you if they had a choice, if they don't have a choice. Right. And when you have the choice to do good, you also have the choice to do evil. Yes. There was a, uh, in my, for a while, I, uh, I read all the way through the the Bible using the Jesus Bible and it had commentaries on different sections of scripture, but there was a, a longer commentary in there um, where I don't know. I think it might be Louis Giglio talking about that idea of um, where it's essentially like he, the, he says this way more eloquently than I am about to, but it was essentially like, where sin is a reality, uh, like freedom has to be given. Um, 
as well as like love, like where love is a reality, like freedom has to, has to be there because that's what love is. Like it's the choice to love something, to be affectionate, like towards it and to choose it over something else. Um, and that's like so important to grasp. You, you cannot be good if you do not have a capacity for evil other like in our mm-hmm. humanity other than god himself right it is impossible to be good when you do not have a capacity to capacity to be evil because then why are you good because you don't have a choice right right like it's yep. the idea and, and this is like getting to jordan peterson but like he yeah. says this he's like you should be dangerous and you should have the capacity for danger and violence but you should not be violent right because then you are good yep. but if you are if you are just weak and incapa- incapable of violence um then what what like what virtue do you actually have? Right, you're just not capable of violence. You're just weak. You're right. not actually good. Right. And I want to go back really quick to what we were just talking about. Um, kind of in line with uh, freedom and choice, but again, from uh, winning the war in your mind. Uh, this chapter is titled "Becoming a Thought Warrior," but it's essentially like, what's your stronghold? What lie is holding you hostage? What mistruth keeps you from taking a step of faith? What wrong thought pattern robs you of living a life of freedom and joy? And then he says, know this, you cannot defeat what you cannot define. You have to identify the lie that has become a stronghold for you. You must realize the negative impact it's had on you and others. Um, but then, and this is, this is how I'm tying this in, of like, he says, if you want to truly change your life, you cannot just change your behavior. Even if you change your actions for a while, their original issue will just reestablish itself. That's why Christianity has never been about behavior modification. It's about life transformation. And then he says this, we all experience that frustration, right? We make a New Year's resolution or some commitment to start or stop doing something. Lose weight, quit smoking, pray more, stop yelling at the kids. Well, for a few weeks, it seems to work. And then we go right back to doing what we always do. Why? we haven't gotten to the root of the problem, the lie we believe. Addressing the problem is attacking the city, identifying and destroying, uh, hold on, identifying and destroying the lie is pulling down the stronghold. Both are necessary to win the war. Um, Relying on your own power is self-help and self-help goes only skin deep. Romans 12, again, Paul, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Mind games. Be transformed. That sounds like getting set free, right? Mm-hmm. By the worship at uh, a worship <laughs> gathering, by the bridge of a song, by being prayed over by your friends, mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit's um, slaying you in an emotional moment, by being filled with the Spirit. No. 
by the renewal of your mind. Do you know why we need to renew our minds? Because we constantly stray. Yeah. We constantly forget the truth that that we need to. And that's why worship is powerful. Again, because it points us to the truth. Brings us back. It brings us back to the truth that we can be renewing our minds. Worship can be a renewal of our minds. Mm -hmm. But if our minds aren't, if we're not trying to renew our minds in terms of worship, this is why a lot of times like, you know, sometimes worship songs like, this is getting into the weeds a little bit. Like when there's not a lot of truth, they get old pretty quick. Yeah. With that being said, uh, of course, uh, appropriate amount of truth for the application of the song in the context of being sung right. and the how many times you repeat it. Right. Like can get kind of wild. Yeah. But like that's good. There's a another thing that I've heard from Kyle. It's one of his favorite and I've kind of adopted it is like prone to wander, prone to leave the god I love. Like I'm pretty sure that's a psalm somewhere. Uh I don't know. Don't don't quote me on that, but um like that's our default state like as human beings is to like wander, to be self-autonomous, to be prideful and to reject God and say we we can do this on our own, you know? And that worship recentering us and being like we don't have it all figured out like because ultimately there's going to come a point where something's going to slip or the bottom of your world's going to drop out and everything that you've relied on as far as self-help and under your, under your own power isn't going to cut it anymore. Like like good coffee and skinny jeans and like a lead line, you know? Like that's why like you can't worship a culture in a church, you know? And it's difficult because that is important as well. Which you know? is Be- different than biblical community. Exactly. Like being having a wel- an environment that is welcoming is important, but it is not more important than truth. It is not more right. important than renewing your mind. It's not more important than being the body of Christ. And I think it's very difficult because we aren't willing to sacrifice our own cultural comfort yeah. for the idea of renewing our minds with the with the truth of God's word. It's good. Through actual, you know, like life change through what the church was intended to be, through yep. d- discipleship, through through diligence, through discipline. Like another thing that comes to my brain is like um what is my role in my faith mm-hmm. right like i in cannot earn, i cannot earn my salvation right that's the mystery mm-hmm. of it i cannot you know this is not works-based salvation <clears throat> that's like the beauty of it but also so hard to grasp <laughs> yeah and it, and that is where you have to start but that is not where you stay right you don't stay just, I, you know, God just saved me and then I'm good. Right. Because that shows how you actually view the gift that he gave you. Yeah. Because he does not, he does not just give us a set of rules and say like, oh, you don't have to listen to them. Yeah. One, it's not good for you. But two, it's also not actually bringing you closer to God. Right. He says, here is how you become closer to me. Here is how you become like me. Right. Here is how you become an apprentice. Here is how you become a good Christian. Right. Here's how you progress. And it's you have to always be working towards becoming more holy. Sanctification. Sanctification. Yeah. Like, again, don't think that this means that you've leveled up and that right. like because oftentimes when you get far enough, and we talk about this in everything, but when you get far enough, you realize, yeah, I do need to go back to like 
the basics of this because I did not master that. Yep. I did not fully grasp the the profoundness of the simplicity of like my salvation. Yep. And I therefore took it for granted now that I'm in like like eschatology and crazy theologies, but you realize like I forgot that like God gave me right. grace. <laughs> you and, know? and like there's grace for that. Like I think that I think that should be I think that we should all be continuously doing that where it's like I it's a daily surrender. It's like pick up your cross daily and and follow me. Like it's a it's a daily surrender, a daily reminder that hey, like you didn't earn this. And one of the coolest things that I'm pretty sure I saw on Instagram a while ago that is just so poignant that it stuck with me is like we're going to be in heaven with believers who have only just believed like on their deathbed. And this is coming from a place of myself and yourself who are in the church serving and quote unquote doing righteous works for God, you know, and we try to always operate out of a sincere and humble heart because of the goodness of God's grace and salvation for our lives and um, his atonement for our sin. But the reality of like, we're no better than the person on their deathbed who accepted Jesus Christ then and didn't do any quote unquote righteous works for the kingdom. And we can get caught up in the, in doing righteous works. And that's where it's like, it's, it's like both and where it's like, um, you know, um, like faith saves, but the saving faith is never alone. Like when you have that opportunity to recognize that and you operate from that and you start, you know, sharing people and allowing other people to look at your life and see Jesus through your life and how you operate in your actions and what you say and all of that. And like salvation is also kind of sketchy because it's real. like only God knows yeah. the hearts of man. Right. You know, and like, it's not even our business really like thinking about whether the person who is praying on their deathbed is actually sincere. Right. Or if they're just afraid. Right. What's the difference between like repentance and then being afraid to go to hell? Yeah. And you know, that's not, that's yeah. And, and definitely there's an answer, but the question of whether it's one person or was sincere or not, or whether I was sincere enough. Right. That's between God and I, and I honestly, like if you aren't, worried about that then you probably aren't even a christian because like if you aren't worried about god you know he says that many who call out to me on the day of like judgment will say to me lord lord and he'll turn to them and say i never knew you right which is like the most terrifying piece of scripture yeah like people who called me by name like call out to me and say like lord i like i did all these works it says actually it, and it talks about works, in my name prophesied in your name healed cast right. out demons and he's going to turn and say but you you didn't love me I never knew you. I never knew you. You didn't have a relationship with me. What is that? Yeah. So like, I think huh. it's really it like you should be concerned about that because you should fear God. Right. But your repentance on your deathbed. And this is again, like I'm not trying to say whether one person or not isn't for sure. Like I wonder how many times like it's if they, like I think the indicator would be if they, were healed in that moment that their life would change from then on out too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like right. that would be the, 
Yes. The indicator. Yep. The only way, so it's impossible to know, yeah. but then they would have fruit, right? And yeah. that's how we can judge whether a salvation is real or not in our lives. Right. Not that you can't backslide or like... It's impossible for a bad tree to bear good fruit. Exactly. vice versa. Right. So I don't know what I believe about like losing your salvation, to be honest. I used to believe that like you can't. Right. Um. I think I probably still stand on that ground in terms of a true salvation. Right. Because I don't think a true salvation will ever backslide to the point mm. of questioning the one who did that for you. Right. Like a true belief. Yeah. Because really it boils down to a trust in God yeah. and whether like whether you can trust in God more than your own intuition or whether you're or your own circumstance. Yeah. So like I think I I don't know, like but it's difficult to see so many like really seemingly people who bear good fruit, like basically just like completely go back on their faith. But I don't know. Like, I think that's where like the simplicity of a child of like, do you actually just trust God? And it's like you said, like who are we to call out or, uh, I don't know, define that person's salvation when we're over here. Like, take the plank out of your own. Like, why are you worried about the plank right. in your brother's eye? Like, worry about it in your own. The The reason that could be relevant is in terms of looking at your own life, right? right. And a reflection on, like, yep. am I doing that? Or, or, a, or a mentorship and community with people who have questions because of their own experiences or people who they know, and that's caused them to doubt. You should doubt your faith. Because you're not believing perfectly. Right. And there's, and there's seasons of that. And that's where community comes in to be able to like, like, I don't know. It's so comforting and freeing to be like, Hey, like I'm struggling with doubt and you bring it to your men's or women's group or whoever. And they're like, Oh yeah. Like I've struggled with that too. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh really? Like I thought I was alone in this circumstance, but this is actually common and then you start to see like again like it almost kind of comes back and reminds you of like you're broken just like everyone else you don't have to be perfect like all of that and i don't remember where i heard this i can't remember if it was c.s lewis or john mark comer but like the idea of sometimes when you aren't feeling like inspired in your faith and i would say inspired because or god's presence or his work in your life you're not seeing it and you're longing for it like again alluding to the dark soul of the night potentially yeah um dark night of the soul whatever <laughs> i would like like heat cedar seat heater um <laughs> got him uh my train of thought just ran off a cliff dude train is just going into Left the ocean the <laughs> it's in the ocean <laughs> Oh, no, I'm thinking about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was a you were, oh, something either CS or John Mark said about um, the dark night of the yeah, soul. That basically when you're not feeling yes. the presence of God in your life, that sometimes your brother or sister or friend who is feeling God's presence in their life and is able to speak that truth back into you is enough to carry you through those moments mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to see faith, to see God's work in other people's lives is yeah. enough testimony to encourage you in your walk. Yeah. Even though you're not seeing it, it's like, remember, right. And that's why the Israelites had to remember because in their 400 years of, of seeming abandonment in Egypt, like God still was God yeah. and he still was good. And he was still doing something in their life. He was still hammering them into the nation he wanted them to be. Right. 
And um, so I think like it's really, really easy. We're 24 years old. God teaches lessons over thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we try to grasp what he's doing in our life. Right. I think there's foolishness in that. To think that we can even reason to the point to understand yep. any part of what he's doing on a bigger level. Any part that he's revealed to us is just by his own desire to, for us to relate to him. Yeah. And, and a lot of times we use the reason that he gave us to doubt him. We use the reason, the ability to think critically, yeah. and we doubt the one who literally invented thinking critically. Right. Who gave us and breath. Logic. Yeah. Like, so, anyways, we're digressing a little bit, but <laughs> it's good. You can see, like, kind of like where our hearts are with this whole conversation. And it's a, it's a very complex issue and probably one that we'll be teasing out further as we go and and maybe we'll bring on some people that can help us dive deeper into some of those areas but yeah. and if you have a recommendation of someone hit us up but yeah if you if you yourself feel like there's something that that's spoken to you don't think that you have to be some master orator we're not you've heard us talk <laughs> yeah you you can see like we lose our trains of thoughts you know we say things wrong we misspeak we gotta let the coffee kick in <laughs> <laughs> This is this is about sharing our faith with each other. It's about community. It's about honesty and, and authenticity. Right. And so And if, having these conversations. Yeah. Just even that from the thirty thousand view of this podcast and something that Nate and I come back to and remind each other of like it's it's this is not strictly, you know, having a podcast, but the idea it's very cool that this the podcast itself is a medium stewarding conversations period but we should be having these conversations as believers this is biblical community this is sharpening one another this is growing deeper on a monday on on a a monday Monday, not a sunday on a monday morning exactly and you know berkeley's mantra is you know sunday is the huddle this is a sports reference. Like Sunday is the huddle and the game is what Mon- are sports? Monday through Saturday. Sports. Sports ball. <laughs> that sounds like a sports ball reference. I'm a musician. I don't get that. <laughs> I'm a creative. I don't understand. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, your, you know, what is your, uh, what's your faith look like on a Thursday afternoon? You know, is it all, is your faith all built around a Sunday or are you still being Jesus? Um, come Friday, right? When you punch out from work, you know. Yeah. So your drive home. So consider this an invitation. If you feel like there's something important that's on your heart to potentially share with this community, to reach out to us. Even if you don't directly come on the podcast, maybe it's something that we could address yeah. a, a a topic or a conversation that you would love to hear our thoughts on humbly. Yeah. Um. Otherwise, we're also just again continuing to try and like be open to what this means what this podcast is mm-hmm. bring on Refine diversity it. of views even yeah. um we're kind of looking towards would it be interesting to bring on somebody who's like agnostic or like atheist mm-hmm. and just like talk to them right and like genuinely like yeah we can sit here and talk about like all these crazy theologies but like wh- how do we have valid conversations with people that might we might disagree with yep. or that aren't believers. And I think that'd be an interesting 
thing for you guys to walk with us during. Yeah. Um, I'm scared of that kind of, which is maybe, maybe a good thing. Um, it's scary to like (laughs) be taped and to be addressing things that like are important and like have respectful conversations with people. But I think it's a skill that can be practiced. And I think it's a, I think that in and of itself is just a lost art almost in today's culture where, I mean, just like a politics, like you're afraid of messing up or saying the wrong things or offending someone or like being wrong or whatever. But it's also like the slander that, culture has painted where if you disagree with something you are exiled you are right. like hung out to dry where it's like that's not like how we should be interacting as humans like the ability that god gave us to disagree and still be in community with people and right. to not write people off is like non-existent in today's culture you know right and i don't know i i feel like that that's uh kind of or should be at least part of the church's role in that of being like, no, you disagree, but right. I'm not going to hate you. Like we can still be friends, you know, like, you know, so. So that's definitely like scary. Um, but something that I think might be valuable. Yep. I agree. So yeah. Anyways, um, Cole has a record. I'm, I don't, honestly don't have a record, so I'm not going to make one up for you guys because I'd rather it be something that I actually yeah, care about. Yeah. So. so, my goodness. I was on... I sound like Squidward. I was on the the tube. YouTube. <laughs> um, and I saw this video and uh, there's a band. I already mentioned them. Snarky Puppy. Um, kind of some jazz... A lot of jazz cats and uh, fusion funk. Very, I would, I would, in my humble opinion, probably some of the best musicians in our time living Definitely. currently. They just, and by just, I mean September 30th, released an album called Empire Central. And it has been destroying me lately because <laughs> it's, it's so good. And I'm, I'm honestly, I I respect the heck out of jazz, but I don't. It's not like my first thing. And to be clear, this is not a typical jazz. It's album. not big band <laughs> or like swing. Here, let's uh. We're gonna get copyrighted for this. No chance. It's very, I mean, it's big band, like, um, but it's it's like jam jazz. It's it's it is a jam, and I mean, you can you can pick apart all of these things and the technicality and the arrangements and everything of these songs is mind shattering. Um, but there's songs that, you know, as someone who isn't a jazz musician, like I can like groove with still because I think that's there's the still biggest feel. That's the biggest turnoff. I think a lot of people have with jazz is like, I can't follow this. Like it's kind of all over the place. But the reason that it's a thing is because the people that know what's going on musically enjoy that because it's that kind of complication. It's kind of that next level. It, jazz is music for musicians. Yes. A lot of times, you yeah, know, like for sure. at least like the type of jazz that's unaccessible. 
It's for people who right. have already understood so much context for what they're actually playing. And sometimes it's still nonsense. It's like art that's like really high level it's, that like yes. only artists can understand. It's high art for sure. And it's it's not maybe another way of saying this is it's not like consumer music. No. It's for the player. Um however, I think this album goes the opposite direction. Uh more so well, where it's like it's it's fun to listen to. Jet Jazz, I will say this as a jazz musician. <laughs> jazz is also like such a broad term. Like there's yeah. <laughs> so many subgenres of jazz that like the type of jazz that you're thinking about probably just relative to the types of jazz you've been you've been exposed to. Right. So um when you say do you like jazz? It's like, what do you mean by that? Yeah. You know, like <laughs> funk, fusion, like Define that for bebop, me. Yeah. bebop, uh freeform jazz. Are you yeah. talking about like Dixieland, you yeah. about big band, you talk about like so you talk about combos, yes, like swing. Yep. Um so like the the subgenres of jazz is like because it's so open, I would say it's probably one of the most diverse genres. Yeah. So anyways, yep. I digress, but um I just had to make that clarification as a for jazz sure. Musician. For sure, for sure. It's not all crap, but some of it is. Um <laughs> yes. Uh so Again, Empire Central. Uh, if you just want to check out a couple songs and dip your toe in it, uh, the best, my favorites on the album so far, the one that I just played for a brief second is called RLs. Um, Trinity is also a great song. Um, and Take It um, featuring Bernard Wright. Those are some of my three favorites. They're also um, fully produced videos, not the whole album. Uh, but those three songs, at least, and I think uh, there might be one or two more, um, are on YouTube as well. And you can actually watch. There's probably 14 musicians. There's two full kit drummers, like three percussionists, like four keyboard players, three electric guitarists, a electric bassist. Like, there's a it's, lot of musicians. It's pretty cool to see them live, too. It is very cool. Um, and it's a unique experience when they're tracking and uh, how they did this because... There is a small audience. It's a round room, and the audience is in the center of the room, and they all have headphones on, so they're all listening to this mix through headphones. And it's it would just be such a cool experience, I think, because it's way different than a a stage to audience. The audience is literally surrounded by these musicians, but you get to watch these people rip these crazy solos on these synths and guitars and the musicality and watching their interactions and looking at each other a lot of times off the dome so yes yeah yeah it is it's really beautiful but good stuff go listen to that amazing well thanks again guys for indulging us in this conversation i know it was a bit all over the place um and hopefully we didn't lose you in that and that you were tracking with our passions for this conversation it is an important one um, again, one we're continually learning through and learning in as we mm-hmm. strive to become more holy, but also uh, remember what it is that we're striving towards. Yep. So yep. Um, thanks for joining us in that conversation as always. And um, see you next time. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast. If you've made it this far, please make sure that you are following us wherever you're listening and that you have notifications turned on. As we constantly mention, Cole and I suck at posting on Instagram. So that is the best way to stay up to date on our current content. And it really helps us keep living the lifestyle that is important to us. Yes. Thank you to Josh at Local Legend 
for always hosting us. We're excited to continue this journey with you guys. If you have any recommendations, questions, comments, thoughts, or ideas, hit us up on Instagram at uig.podcast. Send us a message. We're so thankful for you guys. Thank you for always listening and supporting the podcast. Yeah, baby.